0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Manchester United go to Paris and they earn a 2-1 victory against PSG. Absolutely incredible. We have that game and many, many more from Tuesday's action with all the analysis with Jimmy Conrad and, of course, Jonathan Johnson right there from the stadium. Everything is coming right now. Hey guys, I'm now joined by Jonathan Johnson from Parc de Prince, and it's absolutely uh, so great to have him in the stadium right after this game. JJ, I'm just going to get straight into it. Talk to me about the game. Uh, there's a little bit sound and stuff in the background, but people have to realize that you are right there. So talk to me about this game and, and your own thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, obviously a very disappointing result for PSG to start with. A fantastic result and performance uh, from United. Uh, you know, I don't think many people were expecting United to, to come here and put up such a stiff resistance. You know, we, we were talking about this just the other day, how how we thought, you know, PSG were one of the favourites for uh, coming into this group and it's uh, United would do well to, to sort of finish in the top two. But on the evidence of this performance, it's just, uh, you know, it, it really, it changes the whole outlook of the group ahead of the, the remaining matches. Uh, you know, there's, there's question marks over the way Thomas Tuchel set the team up. Uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, a lot of positivity there for United fans to take uh, from some of the, the performances. You know, two fantastic goalkeeping performances as well. I think we have to give both uh, Navas and De Gea credit. Uh, But, you know, I I think there are more takeaways for PSG uh, from this match than United at this moment in time, considering, uh, you know, they got to the final last season uh, and, you know, they were starting their campaign at home. And it's just such a flat uh, opening for them and, you know, for United to come here, pick up three points, uh, you know, and, and show such character, uh, such, such resolve. score cool, all three goals as well, because let's not forget that it was a and goal, but that was the only way that PSG were able to, to break down that United defence uh, I was very impressed with the way uh, Twanzebe uh, handled himself. You know, obviously uh, an Aston Villa favourite of yours and mine. Uh, so, you know, very, very surprising uh, result. Uh, but I'd say that the performances, both in terms of the positives for United uh, and the negatives for PSG, uh, you know, were also extremely surprising. Didn't expect to see PSG, uh, you know, be so underwhelming. Uh, when they were coming out for this, showing no hunger uh, based on the, the, you know, the way they, they made it to the final last season. Uh, and United basically picking up where they left off in Paris a couple of years ago. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it did. There were sh- shades of this game that seemed very similar to two seasons ago. You were right there live. How did it seem in terms of the back and forth? I thought Aaron wan was incredible on Kylian Mbappe, just like following him around. Did you, did you feel that when you were watching right there?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I thought he was uh, extremely impressive. I already mentioned uh, Tuanzebe. Uh, you know, I thought that Teller's offered a lot as well, particularly as he was playing a lot further forward than you'd expect him to play, uh, you know, once United have everybody uh, fit and in form. Uh, so it's, you know, I, I think there's a lot of very, very good things that, that United can, can, can take from this. You know, obviously they've turned their form around a bit uh, in the, since the international break. Uh, you know, it, it always feels very very strange when uh, you're in a, an empty stadium like that, watching uh, the players. But one of the more interesting aspects of of seeing a game unfold like that is the instructions that you hear both coaches uh, shouting to their players. Uh, you know, and the communication between the the players themselves, and it, you know, it's quite clear that United came here uh, with a better, with a stronger, with a clearer game plan than the the Paris. And you heard the likes of Kylian Mbappe shouting at times, uh, trying. Trying to organise his teammates, getting them to, to switch sides of the pitch, it just felt like PSG didn't really have that much of a, that much of a plan here, uh, you know. So. I, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer deserves great credit for the way that he set uh, United up and, and got them motivated for this match, got them hungry. You, you're totally right. There, there were a lot of parallels between uh, this match and the, the United-PSG clash that resulted in United going through a couple of years ago. You know, it was quite a cold rainy evening at Parc De France once again. Uh, but it's, you know, I, th- I think that when you don't have the the, the, the crowd ging the players on, uh, in a match like this when the spectacle is you know is less than spectacular as as it was for large parts tonight that's not not intentionally a negative towards United or you know intentionally uh, you know to to detracting from PSG they just they neither team served up a particularly appetizing uh, performance but United didn't have to they weren't under under pressure to do that and when you're Putting in that sort of performance in uh, in, in such a, an empty environment, you know, it, it's it's amplified when you're when you're looking into it and and you know you're seeing this unfold. Uh, and for me, it was it just it just felt devoid uh, of emotion, uh, both in terms of the the lack of crowd and also the the players' investment, particularly uh, on the PSG side.
0: Jonathan Johnson from PocketPlains, two one to Manchester United and PSG have a lot. Of work to do, my friend. Get home safe. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.
2: Excellent.
0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Tuesday's Champions League recap with my man Jimmy Conrad. It's just me and Jimmy, just me and Jimmy, like we like it, just like this. All right, but guess what? I'm eating a lot of humble pie today, a lot of <laughs> humble pie, and we're gonna get into it right now. Jimmy, good to have you, my friend. How are you, bud? How was the day? How did you see it?
2: Oh, I'm feeling great. First and foremost, this is my favorite club competition in the world with all due respect to every other sport that's ever existed anywhere. I just, I love this. I love the magnitude of it. I love the energy, the enthusiasm, even if there's not fans in there, even though they're the ones that ultimately make it special. We're still here cheering for our teams, a lot of talking points today. And for me, the biggest surprise with Manchester United getting the result against PSG. I I don't know where you want to start there, but I'm excited for United, but I was really surprised with PSG's performance.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to start there. Actually, right before you jumped on, we had Jonathan Johnson from Park the Prince to talk about basically the report and his point of view and how both of us really saw this as a good way for PSG to start the campaign. But my goodness, Manchester United. I am sorry, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I'm sorry. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, you're a machine, my friend. Unbelievable. Such a good performance. Yes, PSG were flat. Yes, they really needed to do some things in terms of creativity. But Manu came with a plan, and they got away with it. Not only did they get away with it, they did it. And Marcus Rashford got a great goal at the end with a 2-1 win. And it's a huge, huge game for United. Start with the betting uh, angle of things, uh, Jimmy, and then you can go straight into the analysis, and we can talk a little bit about this game. Because I'm eating some big-time humble pie today.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the value was with Manchester United. If you wanted to, to make some significant money, any kind of bets in favor of them was the way to go. PSG were not the heavy favorites, but were the favorites. And so uh, I didn't I didn't hit the one that I chose on that. However, I did say in the last pod that Bruno Fernandes, to score anytime uh, was a good bet at plus 220. And he did. Because he got a second chance at another penalty. Because that's what happens in the world of Manchester United. They just get penalties, even if they don't make them, they get them again. Luis, that's just how it works. So, uh, you know, very excited for United fans. Obviously, a pretty uneven start to the season. A lot of questions of Ole Gunnar, but I thought he got his tactics spot on, and really PSG played right into those tactics. I, I, for a team that that is that vulnerable right now, as Manchester United is, when they're trying to still figure out their identity, still trying to figure out. They're their best starting 11, right? Ole Gunner taking Paul Pogba off was, wow, the ball is on Ole Gunner for doing that. I respect it a ton. And then I thought Pogba made a big difference when he came on. When PSG gives up that foul, Diallo, he doesn't need to win the ball there. Martial, it's an obvious turn. And even if he does turn and get to the ball first, he's like on the end line, right? He's just, there's nothing he's going to do. Just keep him corralled. And I think that's a problem for PSG moving forward, their center back position. I don't think they've properly replace tiago silva not only from a talent department but also from a leadership department you know that that guy's going to make a play more often than not and he's so steady diallo I, I just as much as i thought he had a good game otherwise just making that decision that that brief hope that manchester united got when, you, when you're a team that that's that's vulnerable like them when you get that early confidence then you start to get that belief they're not a team yet for me that has matured into we can make believe that confidence that we need to have to win games, right? Those are what the greats do. Those are the great teams. They can hit a switch and like, you know what? We're going to do it now. It's our turn to do it now. Manchester United's not there yet. Maybe they get there, but maybe not. So I just thought PSG played right into Ole Gunnar's tactics. And, and then when that happens, when they go down a goal, Neymar gets frustrated. He's trying to do everything by himself. Uh, Mbappe is trying to do a little bit more by himself. They're not looking to combine as much. I thought Di Maria was a little bit off, not as sharp as I expected him to be against a former club that he did not like when he was there, nor did his wife. So yeah, there's a lot to take away from this one. I think it's obviously a great three points for United. PSG's got to be disappointed. And, and I wonder how they respond to this.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so much to talk about this game. Uh, let's begin uh, from my angle, from PSG perspective. I think that not having Paredes and Verratti was a big deal because I think that in, like you talk about Neymar sometimes, you know, by the very end, he wants to do things by himself, Kylian Mbappé, Ángel Maria, of course, Pavarotti and Leandro Paredes are those kind of players that they are not just the architects, but they're kind of like, you know, the fortress protectors, right? In defensive transition, quickly, let's figure this out what's going on. And once I get the ball back, it's kind of Juan Mata-ish actually, right? So that's Kind of what they were missing. I'm not making any excuses. I think your Thiago Silva point uh, is key because they you know, Diallo and Kimpembe are very talented, but you need a leader, somebody that knows what's about to happen. And, mm-hmm. and that really wasn't going on. Here's the other thing when I'm looking at this formation from Manchester United, where you had Rashford and Martial, Bruno Fernandes right behind him. And then Solskjaer kind of just put this like castle, right? Fred, McTominay, Juan Bissaka, mm-hmm. Telles, and behind him, like, Luke Shaw, Lindelof, Tuanzeve. Big ups to Zeve, right? He was online for Aston Villa, such a good player. Uh, I've always thought so highly of him. And Solskjaer just said, listen, like, it's not that we don't want to play. We're going to just see what you do and we're going to react. So when you look at the stats, it's obviously the possession went to PSG, but the shots were equal on both sides, meaning the Manchester United, when they had the ball, they made the absolute best of it. I thought Juan Bissaka was absolutely incredible today incredible. We've always known how good he was, but I think to keep Mbappe kind of quiet was pretty damn good,
2: I think. I I agree with you 100%. I do find it interesting as a former defender how much he leaves his feet. I mean, that guy's like 3,000 times faster than I ever was, and I always kind of was under the school of thought of Paolo Maldini. Like, if you're leaving your feet, that means you didn't have a good starting position. You know, something's wrong if you have to leave your feet to play defense. I think the advantage
0: that he has, though, Jim, is that, like, you know he's just so athletic enough to just pick himself up again i think i think technically speaking absolutely I, you know on point but the way that listen and it's no vacation to try and track kylian no, of course not
2: so, yeah you try to track mbappe you try to track neymar di maria these guys are so good i get why you have to leave your feet But I just feel like he does it a lot. And I feel like it's become more of a safety form. Whereas if he had better starting position, then maybe he wouldn't have to find himself in that spot as much. Now that said, this is me completely nitpicking a guy that I think is a tremendous defender and I'm a big fan of him. And I think he's elevated that position for Manchester United. I'm just, I just feel like you could maybe even get more out of him, which I think is a good problem to have. I think his potential. He's not hit a ceiling yet. Not at all. And I'm very excited about his future in particular.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then the other two players that I want to talk about is Fred. All right. Fred has been criticized a lot for many, many months. In fact, even before social, I think just it, it, it's Fred is kind of like uh, he's kind of like when you don't know what you want for dinner and, and you kind of just say, oh, let's just let's just see what <laughs> the closet throw something in the
2: microwave. Just, is that what you're comparing Fred to?
0: Basically. Right. Because you don't really know like, what exactly like, he can provide. And but today it's you know exactly why he was there. He was there to protect but at the same time to make sure that he moved the chains and be smart with the ball maybe win a foul here and there no, let's, he, let's keep, keep he fell into it
2: let's keep the analogy going of him being a frozen food that you <laughs> pop in the microwave like, i was
0: gonna yeah, say like yeah. a food that you like but you're not like crazy about like sure okay, sure what will we'll ha- it's a wednesday night dinner
2: that's Right, that's right so you you knew him in the in the microwave and yeah, sure. It's not the best tasting meal you've ever had, but it's not the It'll worst do. either. And you're satisfied. You, you're move. ultimately satisfied. And it didn't really hurt that much. You didn't have to expend that much energy to put it in the, in the microwave and make it happen. But you know what? I, I agree you're, with you. But, but you know what?
0: You don't eat dinner anymore because you're
2: full.
0: <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> and then the last player that I'll talk about, uh, and then you can make your last points about this game, uh, is uh, obviously Alex Talis. Uh, you know, what, what, uh, uh, you know, smart player crosses the ball really well. His set piece taken, like his corners are really, really good. I just, every we could say, look, Manchester United, you know, earned a little bit of fortune, but not nah, like, you know, fortune favors the brave. And I thought that Manchester United really did a good yeah. job at getting, you know, taking advantage of, of a team like PSG. Maybe, maybe PSG thought, you know, we got to the final last season. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again. Nah, not this time.
2: What I thought was interesting that, that Bruno Fernandez was the captain. You know, I know there had been a little bit of issue between him and Ole Gunner about the harsh criticism he's been putting on Lindelof and, and Harry Maguire for really not doing their jobs. And and he was right, but it's just Is that how you want to hold guys accountable, that publicly? Maybe you can do it behind the scenes. Uh, So I thought that was cool to see him take that on and and take on that responsibility and make sure he holds everybody to that that standard, not just himself. And then I think Alex Telles, because he is coming from Portugal, because he does speak Portuguese, I think his transition into the team is going to be a lot easier because Bruno Fernandes had to go through the same thing uh, less than a year ago. And I think that's going to be a big, big difference in terms of him getting more comfortable with the team and what the expectations are, especially when your Portuguese counterpart is the captain. Now, the one guy I do want to give a shout out to, and I could go on about the PSG guys in particular and just how they were a little. not really feel like they established a flow or rhythm. And to your point, Luis, it's because they didn't really have anybody in midfield that does that. They got under Herrera, who's a hard worker. And at times he can play that pass. You got Adrisa Gay, who I like as well. But again, is he going to be the guy that really keeps it together? And then you got Pereira as well. Those aren't the guys that I think are going to really transition the team in a meaningful way, get Mbappe and Neymar the ball in good spots uh, to make it happen. So I thought that that really worked in favor for Manchester United as well. But the player I do want to talk about is Marcus Rashford. I, I can't say enough about him. Obviously, he's taken on a lot of responsibility off the field. And sometimes that can impact how you're performing, because all of a sudden you kind of start to see, well, I'm just playing a kid's game where a bunch of grown men in small shorts kick a ball in a certain direction. It's not that big of a deal. Whereas the stuff I'm doing off the field is infinitely more important because I'm getting kids that are starving some food. And sometimes it's hard to perform. When, you're, when you've got this weight on your shoulders, but somehow he has delicately balanced that line, continues to have success, continues to be an absolute hero off the field. And for him to score that goal in the way that he did, he saw the space, what a finish against Keeler Navas, who I think is one of the greatest players in CONCACAF history, who had a tremendous game, but still gave up two goals, uh, says a lot about Marcus Rashford in particular. And I just like seeing good things happen to good people.
0: Yeah, well said, my friend. I'm a huge fan of Marcus Rashford. As you said, what he does off the pitch is ultimately more important, but what a talent he is. Marcus Rashford, MBE, by the way. And I think what's really funny is that, and just the last point about Rashford, is that he, um, today, actually, until the goal, he kind of is like, he was doing what he does off the pitch. He was very selfless. Uh, And sometimes I felt that he needed just to take advantage, but Mm He came in the right moment. He got the winner. What a player! What a talent! Well done, Manchester United. Good job. I'll end it with this, Jimmy. You asked it to me on HU. I'll ask you. What does PAG? What, what do they do now? What, what, what's their what's what's their end game
2: now? Uh, well, I think. I guess the transfer window is op- over but it would be nice for them to maybe get another center back. They need to get guys healthy, you know, having Verratti uh, makes a big difference. I think he is one Marquinhos of those Marquinhos too, right? Marquinhos obviously would help out a lot. I mean, Marquinhos less from a CDM spot obviously as a center back would make a big difference. Verratti for me kind of has those Thiago qualities where he kind of sets the rhythm and allows Neymar and Mbappe in particular to stay higher up the field. You can tell when when those two guys are are frustrated they just drop deeper and deeper to get the ball and that's a great sign for the other team not so good for psg so if you're ever watching psg play and neymar's picking it up at midfield and trying to do everything by himself you know he's frustrated so for me it's up to Tuchel to get everybody on the same page working together getting a cardi healthy you know having a, a number nine i like moise keen i liked his he was busy but i feel like when he's running around moise keen He just doesn't know where to go yet. And it must be hard playing with Neymar and Mbappe, who are so good 1v1. You kind of just, almost similar to Messi, you just kind of want to get out of the way and watch. You know, you've got a ticket to one of the best players in the world. I just, I got front row seats to this guy. Let me see what he can do. Uh, But, so I think they got to figure out how that all works, especially with a few new players. I think losing Chupamotin actually probably hurt them a little bit when he went over to Bayern. But if Icardi can get healthy, mois can get more comfortable, and then they can get some more guys healthy. Uh, that should solve a lot of the problems. But uh, that's a big ask from PSG for whatever reason.
0: Yep, it's still a long way to go. But again, a good three points for Manchester United on the road in the Champions League. All right, let's move on. Uh, we got a few games here to talk about. Let's not go too long on them, but, you know, we want to focus because i got to keep eating this humble pie. <laughs> it's so badly. Here we go. Talking about the fact that Lazio, I mean, actually, we all thought this. Lazio, I mean, and to be fair, like we weren't exactly going out of like nothing. There's statistics to prove it. They're not, you know, doing that well. They lost 3 nothing against Amdoria in the weekend. Haven't, uh, they haven't won a game in the last three matches. You know, so obviously you can't just do everything and rely on a cheer of the Hero Immobile. But, you know, but here you go. Here comes Lazio after, you know, out from the Champions League in 13 years. They come in, they play Borussia Dortmund, and they win 3-1. 3-1 against Dortmund. A good goal from Haaland. But, you know, there's so many question marks here uh, I, I, from Fabra's uh, side. Why didn't Jirana start? Uh, I'm just like, oh, g- give me your thoughts on that one.
2: Uh Luis, I'm bummed because I I was thinking the same thing you were. Maybe we talked ourselves into it on the last Que Golazo podcast. But all the the signs pointed to Dortmund to have a good game here. They were in better form. They, for me, on paper, they got better players. And I just think they got outmanaged. I don't know if Lucien Fabra is the guy that actually take Dortmund anywhere or he's never won a trophy even though he is a very well-respected manager he's never won a trophy of significance in his career and I think it shows at times I think he's like I got the better team I'm just gonna let him go or I got Erling Holland. the guy's a robot he's just gonna figure it out and I just don't think he set up the team to have success also I will say using the same example that I did and the same type of mentality Lazio was very vulnerable now if you remember pre-lockdown uh, they were right on the heels of Juventus to win the Scudetto you come out out of that post lockdown they just were they were bad real bad and that extended into the season they got slapped around by Atalanta 4-1 they just lost to Sampdoria 3-0 i was like dude this is they're not very good right now but for this one they were ready and Shiro the hero mobley comes back he didn't play against Sampdoria when you give a team like that again very vulnerable and you let them have an easy first goal whether it's a yeah, bad that penalty it was ridiculous yeah. or or Meunier giving away a bad ball which leads to a tap in. now fair play to immobile he does very well to get that out of his feet if you guys get to watch that that highlight that's a that's a proper goal score for anybody that's learning how to be a proper goal scorer taking kind of a half opportunity stuck between your feet and somehow scooping it past the goalkeeper but that gave lazio all the confidence that they needed and they could just buckle down and i thought they were excellent in midfield i thought francesco achirby in the back was excellent uh, in the back line, they needed that. And I thought they really stifled. Erling Holland in particular, they didn't allow any pockets of space. And to your point, because Gio Reyna didn't start, I think they lost a little bit. I, they, they brought Marco Royce into the team. Of course, he's a legend. Of course, if he's healthy, you want him to play because he's probably going to get hurt two games later because that's what Marco Royce does. But I don't know. I feel like you kind of stick with, I, Erling Holland talks about all the time about how great it is to play with Gio Reyna. Yo, you don't take the best, your, your top players, number two away to play in, uh, no disrespect to the old guy, but just Marco Royce might be getting passed by in certain ways, right? That's and how Giorena, he scored.
0: How did Holland score? Who set it, it up did.
2: for him? He did, Gio Reyna did. And I think what he did was he provided some width. They were so predictable, man. I didn't feel like they had a plan B. They was just all like, let's just figure out Holland. Either on the ground, he can hold it up. We can work from there. We played over the top and we transition. There was really no other dynamic plan. Like, well, what happens if Lazio takes that away? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, you know, and yeah. that's, that's what happened. And then they just gave up crappy goals, the second goal uh was a was a set piece right a, a near post header that should never happen and the third one they just got walked through just really bad defending uh not really properly planned and i just thought that uh inzaghi just outmanaged uh um well, I can't think of his name right now. Yeah, Fabra. If well, um, so you
0: want him to leave, that's why. I, lose. Yeah, I do. Um,
2: yeah, I'm exactly. hot, dude. I no, listen,
0: just, like, here's uh, the thing. I think you make a very good point. Actually, I haven't even thought about that, but I, I, that's true. Look at the team that Borussia Dortmund has. And for a team this creative, for them to really not try and figure out a team that Lazio, that clearly just put five you know, behind that front trio, right? With Lucas and uh, Luis Alberto, Fares, Milankovic, Savage and Marusic, like they just like wanted to protect. This is actually kind of similar to PSG Manchester United where the possession was clearly Dortmund's way, but the shots and the attempts were almost similar. And that's crazy when you have Sancho and Haaland and even Royce behind Gio Reyna, you know, Witzel behind them and Guerrero, like, it's just crazy to me. It's really crazy. And listen, When I, when I watched this game, I thought actually it was a, it gave me hints of the old school Italian sides that kind of, not that they, it's not that they go somewhere or they play against somebody and they say, we're not going to play, but rather we're going to figure out your weaknesses Mm -hmm. and we're just going to pick at it. We're just going to pick 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 and Borussia Dortmund's weakness is that they only have a plan A and maybe a plan B. After that, it's done. And listen, I, I think I, that I think that the argument for Gio Reyna not starting, people will say, look, he's 17, give him time. Screw that. Like
2: he's good now. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, they, it doesn't matter. It doesn't I, I want to further your point because it seemed like uh, Dortmund knew exactly, or excuse me, Lazio knew exactly how Dortmund was going to play. They like to go, they're very narrow at times. They try to find those combinations and numerical advantages in midfield and kind of wear you down. And Lazio's like, no, we're going to take this away and give you everything wide. And Dortmund's like, no, 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 no. I don't. We don't want wide. We're going to still just try to jam it down this thing. And Lazio's like, okay, you know what I mean? And then it just was, it was unbelievable that, that they couldn't adjust in a way that, that could really penetrate Lazio outside of the take one anything time, away
0: from Lazio, by the way, let's not take, no, any, I don't want to take
2: anything away from Lazio. They took advantage of good teams, take advantage of mistakes. Right. Yeah. And they finished those chances. So fair play to Lazio. They surprised all of us. I don't think anybody was expecting it. Dortmund just had a crappy day. I think at all levels, players, coaches, everybody didn't perform well and Lazio deserves a lot of credit for that
0: yep absolutely let's move on uh, let's go. <laughs> I'm
2: third, hot I'm hot the, right now
0: the third humble pie that I'm eating now <laughs> Here we, Chelsea and Sevilla is going to be a golf fest well guess <laughs> what it wasn't zero. 0 I mean it was high, you know there was entertainment at all I thought there were a few confusing things about what I saw like why did Lampard push Pulisic to the right when he clearly is such a much better when it comes to from an I'll, infer- I'll, can I tell you why yeah. because
2: Frank Lampard's son Mason Mount Needs to play in that position. Yeah,
0: him him and Gareth Southgate just go on and on about Mason Mousley. Everybody knows that Pulisic's absolute best asset is from the inverted positioning, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where he gets the ball and he just cuts inside. Anyway, that's besides the point. I heard you say something on HQ that I think that I want to highlight again, because it's a really good point about Sevilla. No team in Europe takes advantage of other people's spaces than Sevilla. It's absolutely incredible. Like, you know that they're going to press or you know at least that they're going to try and suffocate you to try and go uh, one way and they, you just can't figure them out. They're like this like monster that just keeps coming at you and you don't know what to do. And the thing is, is like, it doesn't happen in the 20th minute. You can see it all the way to like the 85th minute. And I think that that's where Sevilla really, you know, did such a good job and making sure that Chelsea's attacking line didn't do anything. Granted, they didn't score either, but you know, to go to Stanford Bridge, get a point, it's not bad.
2: No, Sevilla's got to be happy with that. I, I bet you Chelsea is too because of how they were playing before that. They're just leaking a lot of goals. I, I thought that when I look at this team, and maybe we should have thought this through yesterday on the podcast, but. Uh, I like it how you always go, Que Golasso. Oh, yeah, you got to give it that. It's the only I, way you can say it. You can't. I, know, say, I love it. <laughs> you got, you, you got to give it some, you know, some yeah. love and some rhythm, some passion, K-Golasso, you know, I'm going
0: to go so. on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I just think that coming out of that Southampton game, Frank Lampard told us guys, yo, we're thinking defense, 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 right. defense. And I've been in those situations before as a player where you're leaking a couple just crappy goals. And, and then all of a sudden the coach just harps on, we got to defend first. And I got the sense that that, that's that's what they did. Everybody was thinking defense first. Everybody was dropping off, doing the extra work defensively. And maybe they didn't have the energy to go forward. Timo Werner, they were maybe hoping he would nip a goal, but nothing really uh, came out of it. And and I think they got to be happy with the stalemate. I thought Mendy did well in goal, and that's obviously a good sign for them to move forward. Tiago Silva came in and really settled the unsettled team uh, in a lot of different ways, something that PSG maybe was lacking. Uh, And then with regard to Sevilla, another thing that I added outside of their press was how they attack They are so good at creating numerical advantages out wide and whipping balls in and and then having runners in the box that are actually running with purpose like the timing of their runs, how they whip it in. I can't get enough of it and I really feel like those guys should write a book about how it's done, even though other teams know it's coming. They still can't stop it. It's super impressive.
0: Yeah, I remember interviewing Luke De Jong about this, and he was just saying that basically, like, when you're somebody that focuses so much on on your aerial uh, side of the game, like, it's just heaven to play for a team like Sevilla because, you know, at some point, something magical is just going to get right on the top of your noggin, and you're just going to, like, get it in and stuff. But I think to your point, Sevilla and Chelsea, nil-nil. I mean, you know, it's not the golfers that we thought, but they'll probably be happy with a point. Let's move on. Uh, Very quickly, Juventus, um you know they did their thing we didn't say that Dynamo were gonna win but it was gonna be tough but it was tough for a while right and, and Juventus was probably just trying to get over their, their their kit right if our producer Brad can do it for YouTube <laughs> right now and just show the tweet at how like it reminded me so much of Ali G's uniform and their- <laughs> but you know they very very quick on Juventus they did their thing they got two they got they got three uh points in a win uh away from home
2: Yeah, I would just say that because Andrea Pirlo, my lord and savior uh, is now in the job. I think he's been tinkering a lot trying to find that best lineup that best formation and I think he might have found something here and really what I like outside of Alvaro Morata scoring two goals, which I think is very important for the team and for his confidence in particular. I really liked the Aaron Ramsey role. I mean, I thought maybe it's just him. Maybe that's what he got told to do, but I thought he was breaking the lines. He would run from midfield. Sometimes he'd rat run past Morata, and I thought that unbalanced Dinamo Kiev in a lot of different ways, and if they can keep that up, not just him, but maybe it's Rabiot or Bentiker or Artur, whoever comes in, Weston McKinney, when he's healthy, you know, and then they add Chiesa as well, and they just... They got a lot of options. They just got to figure out the best way to make it happen. And they did this. I thought it was a pretty comprehensive performance without the arguably, or in my opinion, the best player in Champions League history in Cristiano Ronaldo.
0: Yep. Uh, You know, a special shot. Again, Aaron Ramsey, I think Pirlo has found something Pretty good there because he can hit sit just behind the number nine and, and create some damage. So a good win there for Juventus without their main star. And, of course, Weston McKinney. All right, let's talk about Barcelona for a second. I mean, obviously, we knew that the advantages were going to go there. They were at home, playing a weaker side, et cetera. I thought Messi looked sharp, uh, but to me, this story is about two 17-year-olds, especially Ansu Fati. I can't get enough of this kid, man. He's just unbelievable. Him and Pedri, they got on the score sheet. And, you know, Pique did get a red card at the, you know, towards the end of that game, being the last man, uh, you know, which gave away the penalty. Um, so but that's probably the only thing that, that, that Kuman has to worry about. Uh, you know, comprehensive victory. Messi looks sharp, but the future looks good. For Barcelona, and that's been my thing for a long time. Let's try and develop these young. Like we talked about Girona not starting. Well, here's Kuman just saying, "You know what, Ansu Fati, go to town, my friend, because I believe in you." And I, Fabra, should take a page from Kuman at this point. What do you think of that game?
2: No, I agree with you. I think those two 17-year-olds you mentioned are tremendous, but there's another one, Trincao, who's getting a lot oh, of yes. hype as well. He started over Griezmann. Now, for everybody that doesn't know, Antoine Griezmann decided to criticize his current manager at Barcelona, Ronald Koeman. I don't think that's ever a good thing to do, especially publicly, when he said that he, was, he scored for France against Croatia in the UEFA Nations League, to give everybody some context, and it's because he was playing the false nine. And so he said after the game, it's nice to play for a manager that plays me in my best position, which is obviously a a shot at Kuman, who'd only been playing him wide right. So Griezmann doesn't even come. It doesn't start. A 17-year-old starts in his place and he doesn't even come in. They made like five subs or whatever it is. So I don't know what's going to happen with that situation. That'll be uh, worth noting. But as you say, does it really matter? They got these young kids that are going to be driving things. on Sufati, Pedri. Uh, trincao is going to eventually get on the goal scoring sheet and get more comfortable as time goes on Messi messy like grandpa. Grandpa. Played
0: really well too it ah,
2: it's unreal dude they're so yeah. good you got coutinho de jong obviously dropping dimes on sufati he's relatively young so the crazy. future's bright so yeah. for me barcelona looked good and they did it with real style i think they did it in a way that that uh, kuman and the barcelona fans should be happy with my one thing i got one thing i always got one thing they got hit on the counter attack bad there was a one play in the first half that got called back but Takmak, the number 10 for ference Farosh who's a tremendous player by the way got in behind by like a like a half an inch and he did up Langlay. his timing was excellent and he buried it in the top corner they called it back on, unfortunately yeah, for them that would have put him that. up 1-0. But in the second half the same thing happened. They play too high of a line sometimes. They don't have the speed to necessarily get somebody that can get in behind. PK now who doesn't need to touch him. They're up 3-0. He gets a red card. So that means he misses the next game in Italy against Juventus, which is a shame because we know that PK likes to run his mouth and to go against one of his former adversaries in Cristiano Ronaldo would be a fun one to watch, but he's out of that. So it almost makes me think he did it on purpose so he wouldn't have to travel to Italy, which uh, <laughs> whatever is I just, it just felt like kind of a bonehead player. Maybe he had some pride at stake and he tried to make amends there, but it's unfortunate. And I think that is a vulnerability for that team that if they try to play too high of a line trying to press the ball immediately, they can get exposed.
0: Yeah, no, that's a very big point. And also, listen, at the end of the day, it, it's all about ha- what's the mindset ahead of this weekend? El Clásico mm-hmm. facing mm-hmm. Uh, Real Madrid. But you made a good point about, you know, being vulnerable against the counter. I mean, that's exactly why Pique got that red card, because Tag Mike just, like, pushed him out. They, they weren't aware of what was about to happen. And, and that is something to be worried about, especially in a Ronald Koeman system that, you know, kind of encourages going wide, attacking fast, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But... I mean, listen, 5-1 to Barcelona, you got to be happy with that.
2: I'm definitely happy. And then as an American, I'm happy for Serginho Dest because he has just seamlessly moved into the lineup and there hasn't been any chatter about him which is great for a defender, right? Nobody's going, oh, Serginho Dest looks so out of place. What is he doing? Americans are terrible. Like, they're not, you're not hearing any of that because he's holding his own and he's not even playing in his best spot to put him at left back. I need to meet that
0: person, by the way, that guy, that voice. (laughs) What is Serginho Dest doing?
2: What is he doing? (laughs) Oh, my God. Why are Americans so bad at this sport? Anyway, so I don't uh, know where that voice I, comes from. I, I'll never tell who I'm mimicking there, but I will say that uh, it's been really promising to see him just, just jump into the team and look comfortable. And, and, and I'm excited for him because that's a big leap to go from Ajax to Barcelona to starting in a Champions League game, despite the opponent, just, just in playing with some of the world's best players. It's, it's great. And I, I actually, as you speak about El Clasico this weekend, I'm very excited to see if he starts and if he does how he performs.
0: Oh, that will be fantastic. Sergio Desta has seamlessly just gone in there. I mean, it, it pays to the fact that Ronald Koeman wanted him so much for the Netherlands in the first play. That's probably another reason why he did. But Barcelona fans, be happy. You got a victory at home. 5-1. Messi looks sharp. Messi looks good. But to me, the key for all of this, the headline is your youth. Your future looks fantastic. Griezmann or not. All right, let's move on and let's, uh, let's finish up here, Jimmy, because we got a few questions actually. Gego que Lasso Pod on Twitter. Make sure that you go on Apple Podcasts and leave a question in our rating. Uh, always love your questions, but we got a few. So let's, uh, let's hit them here. Let me see, let's look at this first one. And it is from Rafael Trujillo, our buddy Rafael. Thank you. What, what do you see for Sevilla here in the Champions League? Like the outcome, the overall outcome. Do you see them getting out, of, getting out of the group? We know them as Europa darlings, right? Of course. That the Europa is their, is, their, is their heaven, but the Champions League, they never quite got it. Well, what do you make of it? They got a uh, point today.
2: They got a point today in a tough place to play, tough place to travel. Um, I thought they were very professional, and I think that's how I see their approach. I do make a joke that they probably just want to finish in third in, on purpose so they can qualify for the Europa League and then win it again for the seventh time. I, I think they have too much quality for that. They have a group that's manageable and I think Chelsea's still trying to figure out what the best version of Chelsea is. I think that game's gonna be a lot harder, that reverse fixture, when Chelsea has to travel to Spain to try to get something at Sevilla. I, I like their team a lot. Uh, I think Lucas Ocampos is still one of the best signings of, in La Liga over the last couple summers, the last couple of transfer windows. Really shrewd uh, purchase in the, in the transfer market. I think, uh, obviously, losing Ever Banega is still a big loss for me. Losing Sergio Reguillon to Spurs, still a big loss. But they have some guys. It's like sometimes it's not about the players. It's the system. Now, Benega for me, is cute as a button, really special player. You never replaced a guy like that. But they brought back a club legend in Ivan Rakitic, who, yes, he might not be the same type of player, but he's a winner. And he knows what it takes to win. He knows what it looks like to win. And that helps when you kind of infuse a team with that type of experience. We see it with Zlatan and AC Milan. Yeah, Zlatan's not the same Zlatan from 15 years ago, 10 years ago. But that confidence and that swagger that comes from being the champion somewhere else does permeate. And obviously they're champions on their, in their own right. So for me, they're really tough. They get to the knockout runs, which I expect. They're going to get through the groups. Then, then that's not a team you want to face because they're so well-organized. And I'm a big fan of Julian Lopetegui. Uh, for him to be redeemed with the Sevilla team is, has to be super satisfying for him after how everything fell out with Spain. And then obviously crashing out with, with uh, Real Madrid after a few months. You know, it's, it's very cool. It's a great story.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's nothing much more to add to that apart from like, you know, we talked about the preview to this game today against Chelsea was like, oh, look how much Chelsea has done in terms of, you know, deepening the squad and making it continental. Well, look, Sevilla actually did exactly the same thing. Acuna uh, came in, Rakitic, you mentioned, Suso as well, of course, Mm -hmm. right there. You know, Luke de Jong can afford now to take a few days off and get ready (laughs) for a European competition. So this squad is actually stronger. And that's going to help them because, you know, they are a fast, uh, hungry team that, as you said, likes to go wide quick, likes to cross early and likes to just suffocate you. So I see them getting out of the group for sure. I mean, can they go even further? Once you get into the knockout stages, it's a blind minds game.
2: Yeah, it's a matchup game at that point, right? It's Absolutely. whoever whoever picks your name out of the, the pot, pot of balls at the draw. Like, that's who you need to hate if you don't get a good matchup.
0: Exactly. Let's move on to the next question from our friend uh, Nathan Frandino. What's up with Frank Lampard playing Christian Pulisic on the right? We've talked about this. Doesn't he play better on the left? Chelsea fans on Twitter seem to be losing their minds about the positioning. And also what's up with Dortmund's poor showing today? Well, we've talked about Dortmund. That's already been said. But, you know, we can touch it on a bit again. Listen, Pulisic, to me, is an inverted winger. It's just He's just so good when he's on the left and the moment he penetrates the box and he goes inside. He scares the bejesus out of defenders. The moment you take that away from him, it's way easier to control him because there are players and defenders that can be faster than him to go around them. Pulisic's very fast, but they're also very, very good, you know, ample defenders that can do the job. And if you push him, you know, going inside from the right wing, it's just not as effective. And it's just an inverted wing position. But like you said before, uh, Jimmy, this is about the Mason Mount.
2: um, (laughs) I do. I really think it's the case. Mason Mount's been with Frank since he started as a manager at Derby. And he's brought him along and, and continues to give him opportunities, whether he deserves it or not. I don't know. Right. That's a that's a conversation for people that get to see training day in and day out. But I agree with you. pull sick out on the right makes him a little bit more predictable, a little bit more one dimensional because he's, you know, more often than not, he's going to push to his right. And so I think defenders can defend him. They can stack him up a little bit different. But when he's out on the left, he can go left or right. And and he feels more comfortable going to the left and maybe getting that quick cross off as opposed to if he cuts in with his left on the right side, he's just running into a bunch of people and it doesn't feel as comfortable for him because it's harder for him to get it back on, on his stronger right foot. So, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think Frank Lampard's still a young manager and I think he's still learning uh, and I think he maybe still doesn't give the respect to Pulisic that that Pulisic deserves.
0: Yep. All right. Last question from our buddy Felipe Cardenas from The Athletic. Uh, would you rather have Juan Cuadrado's elite service or his saucy dance moves? First of all, I got the moves already. So I'll go with the, uh, with the elite service. All right. What do you, what, what about you, Jimmy? Do you need his moves or do you already? I, I don't know.
2: He dropped a dime into Alvaro Morata today. <laughs> so after that cross, I'm kind of leaning towards that. However, I can't dance and his name translates into John square in English. And I just <laughs> love that name, which is amazing. So if I had a name like John square and I could dance like him, i I'd, I'd probably lean towards that.
0: Yeah, no, I got the moves, baby. You don't need to do anything. Mm, mm, mm. No, Juan (laughs) Cuadrado did very well today. Thank you so much for your questions. Keep them coming because we got so much more. Anyway, that's it. Tuesday was amazing, but we got another day to go crazy, Jimmy. Thank you so much. I want to thank JJ as well, Jonathan Johnson in Paris. And we will see you next time. Hey guys, I want to thank Jonathan Johnson from tuning in to us from Paris and of course Jimmy Conrad, my man, always with the analysis and the commentary. We will see you very soon as we preview Wednesday's action on Geolasso. Don't forget to leave a message and a question on Keolasso que Pod on Twitter and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time.